Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. And now Roy K. from Simi Valley. Hi, my name is Roy. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I'm just so grateful to, to be able to follow Harvey and Gordon and Debbie. And uh, uh, it's really an experience just to, just to be here. Uh, I kind of have a feeling, none of you knew this, but we all got together, the four, uh, all of the speakers, and designed what we, a perfect program, just so that we'd all compliment each other. <laughs> we didn't know it either. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, this is supposed to be a spiritual panel. Well, I've got to let you know that I'm very much here physically. And, uh, but, uh, it's just, it's an experience, uh, for me. Every, you know, we're all growing, uh, uh, Gordon said it. And, uh, if I can't see the growth in you, then I can't grow. If I'm not willing to see God in you, I can't grow. And, um, uh, the thought came to me up here. It's kind of scary looking at people's faces. You know, I'm not used to being in front. And uh, it's uh, it was so terrifying when I first got into the program in late 74 in AA to, to be around that table that I just couldn't take it. Uh, uh, I couldn't stand looking into your faces. But today, I had this strange experience, the fact, somebody, just before I came in, told me about his wife's face. And I began to look in the face of women up here just now. And I saw there's no way of describing that life for me is incomplete if I can't let a woman into my life, let her face into my life. And all I can tell you is life is there. God is there. And then I got to thinking, well, I watched Gordon while he was speaking. And I'm also afraid to look into the face of men. And that's another kind of gift. I haven't figured this out yet. This is the first time I've ever thought about this. But there's, there's something here so powerful, which is all spiritual, that I can know God and know recovery no more than I can know you and let you into my life. Not into my house, especially into my, look in your face and take you. That's why in, 
in the couple's meeting last night when I dropped a seed, my action item was to look into Iris's face and smile, look into her eyes and smile. Because that doesn't, I don't do that. I can't do that. I'm an isolate. And what I think I'd like to try to talk just for a minute about is a new, something new I'm, I'm confronting in my spiritual experience that is so new, I don't know what it is, and so I'm going to be, for the first time, trying to figure it out with you, trying to do my inventory. And that's all I can give is my inventory. I can't give knowledge. I can't give psychology. I can't give sex addiction. I can't give cultural history. I can't, you know, we can do all those things. But that's knowledge. Knowledge doesn't say, all I can do is give myself. And the only way I can give myself is to bear witness to the truth of my experience. And that's what we've been doing this morning. That's what I want to do. I'm coming to a conclusion, to a basic re-understanding of myself that I don't even know how accurate it is. So please take what I'm going to say as something I'm struggling with. The substance and basis of my whole life until just a few days ago was the fact that I am an ego, that there is a self in me that demands my care, attention, and devotion. That self is in me. It's almost like an alter ego, a super ego. That self is something that dictates to me, that judges the world, perceives the world, and is demands my attention, care, and devotion. I have unwittingly accepted that all my life. I see today that's a delusion. That that is a pseudo-self that I create. I don't know how I can describe this. Let me just try. Okay, let's say I meet you. And let's say I know you. I get to know you, and I see something in you I don't like. I create a pseudo-person in that instant. I see those few characteristics, and I build, I create a person. This is the creative power of God that we have, and I think we can do this, but we misuse it. My impression of you is built on those selective impressions. And so I create a pseudo-person, a pseudo-Iris, a pseudo-Harvey, a pseudo-Gordon, a pseudo-Bernie, a pseudo-Debbie. And this has characterized my entire being. Okay, now why do I have to create the pseudo-person? If we can understand this, this is the basis, this is the ultimate bedrock under our addiction. I have to misperceive the reality of your being 
to keep love out because I'm a child of God and the natural instinct of my spirit is love, is God, who is my father, creator of my spirit. But somehow, in childhood, sometime, I don't know how, I don't, it doesn't matter how, I chose to shut love out. And I have hunched most of us did the same thing. And to do that, I have to create an entity to take its place. Today, I have a, a spiritual sponsors for me have, have over the years in recovery. Listen to this one. Just a couple of sentences. Uh, this is from uh, Love Thine Enemy, uh, McDonald. The thing that now makes you dislike that person is separable from him and is therefore not he. That's right. What makes me dislike you, the cause of my resentment, the reason for shutting God out and creating a pseudo-person and thereby validating my pseudo-self and that ego that is not exist, that does not exist, that is a delusion, a creation of my will to take the place of God. It's not you. It's not you. Here's another sentence. Okay, now, the man thinks his consciousness is himself. I think my consciousness, my ego, my, this one who is dictating to me, my, that wants my attention and devotion, he thinks his consciousness is himself. I have a separate consciousness. That's me. That's the I. No. Whereas his life, my life, consists of the in-breathing of God and the consciousness of the universe of truth. To have himself, to know himself, to enjoy himself, he calls life. Right? Whereas if he would forget himself, tenfold would be his life and God and in his neighbors. This is so powerful, I don't even know where it is. But I want this. And I believe that somehow I've been living a delusion. And therefore, owing amends to, to most of the people I know in the fellowship. Because I, my first instinct... Is, to, is, is this perversion of the reality. To only look at those things and to find and seek those things in your words, your demeanor, your face, your actions that'll give me a reason for creating the pseudo-person rejecting you and therefore keeping God out and keeping love out, keeping myself divorced from the source of my life. Forget keeping us separated. That's why the essence of this program, Bill says, is deflation of ego at depth. This ego of Roy has to die, not just be deflated, die. And I want it killed. I don't want that self anymore. I want the love of God. I want the natural in breathing that will make me my full self. The self that can look in your face and just take you in. This began to dawn on me a couple of years ago when this four-year-old next door would come knocking on my door when I'm in the middle of great thoughts. 
You know, uh, this is a delusion. I mean, and here was life and God, and I could this man, this this gift of God, this fellow came from a very dysfunctional family. Won't tell you the story. Would keep looking. I'd open the door reluctantly, and the instinct is get out of here. <laughs> you know, I don't let him in, but he stands there with those big blue eyes, just looking up at me, and he will not go away until the invisible curtain goes down and I take him in. And it's such a marvelous experience to take him in. Somebody's little baby up here, a couple of babies around here this weekend, and I could do the same thing, look in their eyes and take them in. I could never do that. You know, I'm a babe in this program. I, I want a new beginning. I want the love of God. And it takes death of this ego. And all I have to do is recognize the lie that you are what I have created out of my need to shut love out. Iris isn't here. I don't know what she's doing. She's probably out there talking to somebody else. But she, she, uh, when our son got married last year, she, we gave them a wedding present and Iris has started watercolors. And so she uh, did an Iris. And, uh, this isn't, this is just a copy. They've got the original. These are the leaves, however. And so she asked me to write some words for the card for an iris. And so I wrote these words. And this, amazingly, she said, and she found this in the storage. Huh? Oh, she's here? Oh. <laughs> uh, just before we came, she found this going through the junk that I had left around somewhere, I don't know, in, in the unused bedroom. Uh, by which you're all invited. Anyone's there, that unused bedroom you can stay in. Anyone here. Uh, and uh, she she kind of said, you know, uh, you ought to take that with you. You might need that. And I, my first reaction is, what is she talking about? You know, but I'm getting to sense some of those signals, just like the face of the four-year-old boy, that are the gift of God. Anyhow, here's here's what I wrote. And it has to do with the bulb. You know, the iris thing is the bulb. Okay. Consider this lovely iris bloom. The stages along. It's life's precarious way. A drab, misshapen little bulb, anonymous and withering, wrapped tightly in itself alone, destined to leave its solitariness in hope for something better. Burial. In earth's dark womb, this unlovely lump, believing that losing self means gaining beauty. Now the life embrace of soil and sun bring drastic change as elemental nature works its awesome way. Painfully, defensive wrappings yield to dissolution. Fearful change. But soon from that relinquishment, mysteriously, a single slender shoot emerges, pushing upward, groping for the light, and finally breaking through, gasps exultingly in the new resurrection. How quickly stalk and leaves arise to energize transfiguration. And from sheer joy of feeling sun, Buds spring forth through womb placenta wrapped and blind to break through their imprisoning shrouds, 
The miracle was taking place inside all along. And the energy of flower life bursts forth in glorious blossom faces, smiling open to the sky, full color fresh and radiant with joy. And life is like this lovely iris bloom. Its stage is no less needing faith to bear the thousand natural shocks along its sometimes painful odyssey towards celebration, the mystery of life, and love. We're at a stage in SA where we're facing the greatest organizational changes and the greatest temptation SA has ever known. That is to create a system and the hallmark of system is something that shuts life out. Let us in all of our deliberations be careful that first we let life in and the organization will flow from that. First things first, from the inside out. My prayer and my hope for myself today, and I can't do this without you. I can't do this without looking into your face, the face I don't like, the face I know something wrong about, the face that doesn't look like, you know, and... There's so much to this subject. I can't do it without you. And I can't do it without my wife. I want to just reiterate what I said the other day. There is no recovery for me, anything beyond what's recovery in this marriage, with this person, and with you. I don't care how many years sober. Sober is not well. There is no recovery, any more degree of recovery than I have with you and with my wife. Let us pray together. Our God, we just want your love. We don't know how to have it. We need it. We're all working toward it. And we open our hearts as this. And we're willing to go into the ground and the dissolution of the wraps of that death shroud we have put around us. We're willing to die to see the beauty of each other in your life and love. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. And now we'll hear from Rhonda from Chicago. Hi, my name is Rhonda. I'm a grateful recovering member of SNN. And I feel very grateful and privileged to be here with you, my sick compatriots. Um, I did write a few things down, and uh, if I talk about those, great. If I don't, well, I guess God didn't want me to. I am discovering just how, how this program is a spiritual program, how, how that's all there is, really. I didn't understand that when I came. I didn't really understand anything. I was pretty clueless. I thought that uh, I was, this was my role. I'm supposed to come to the auxiliary group to help my husband recover. Um, 
But then I started getting into my own pain and my own feelings and all the crap that I had stuffed for a long time. So this has been a, um, this spiritual journey has been um, slow, painful, um, but increasingly wondrous. And I, I just want to share some of that with you. I, I find particular comfort in the words of the second step, came to believe. Um, you know, because as a perfectionist, I, I think that I should already understand this and I should be living it. Um, but, you know, that's not what it's about. Um, so I take comfort in that, that, that there is a process that's involved. I remember when I was doing my second and third step work with my, my beloved sponsor. And, um, and yeah, I was getting into that perfectionism thing. And I remember whining to her at the end. I said, well, I just... I, well, you have to understand first that from my faith tradition, there there is um, an individual named Paul, St. Paul, and he had a, a very Bill W-like experience, you know, this flashing blindness, incredible spiritual awakening. And and so I was whining to her at the end. I said, I just want to have like a St. Paul-like experience, you know, God kind of going zap, you know, and I get it. And she, and we laughed, and but but there there was actually seriousness in my heart. This is what I wanted. And um, in the particular format that we were using, there was a place for her to write kind of her response. And she put in there, and I just cherished this, she said, Rhonda, you are having a St. Paul-like experience. Keep reading. (laughs) Because um, I have selective memory and selective reading, and I like to just look at the good parts, (laughs) the parts that really impress me. And I I forgot that uh, St. Paul goes on and has major struggles with faith major, and is always lamenting his unbelief. So I'm having a very St. Paul-like experience. I also, uh, in our SNN Step Study Guide, um, have always, it seems like my eyes just stop when we're doing, I think it's step two, maybe step three, but I think it's step two, where it, it there's this line that, that I think is lifted actually from the big book of AA. It talks about how few of us could be reasoned into faith that it's not a matter of logic, that, that we came to faith through seeing the actions of God in our life. And my eyes have always lingered there because I think um, I think I should be argued into faith or, or have that. But the reality is that um, I am seeing the actions of God in my life, and that is what is bringing me to faith. Those little, as Debbie said, those many spiritual awakenings along the way, that is, um, that's what it's about. I want to say, too, just to start off with, you know, I think a lot of times in our recovery, we can dwell on the negative and we, we go through that blame stage. It's like, woe is me. My parents did nothing right. I, you know, therefore, I am the miserable wretch that I am today in pain. And I really I want to say here today how grateful I am to my parents. I mean, yeah, they did a lot of um, unhealthy things, but um they inculcated me with um, a belief in God, period, you know, a foundation. Now, that God looked a heck of a lot like my dad, um, you know, kind of kind of distant, emotionally unavailable provider, but not there. So today I'm, I'm changing that, but I'm real grateful that I had that basic belief. That's never been a problem for me, and I see a lot of people struggle with that, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But as I said, I'm um, 
my faith and, and my spiritual awakening has come slowly over time, and I want to share a few of those things with you. Um, I heard sometime, a long time ago in program, how there are no coincidences, there are just God incidences. And I didn't understand what that meant at first, but I understand now, and I want to share a few of those God incidences uh, from my life with you. It is no coincidence that I came to recovery in Nashville. I live in Chicago now, but I started in recovery in Nashville, and prior to that, I lived in Washington, D.C. Uh, I came to recovery seven months after my husband and I were married uh, because his life went to the toilet in a big way, and um, and I just got to go along for the ride. And um, the, the amazing thing about that is it was kind of... Um, there was no reason we should have been in Nashville. The company he worked for and works for is based there, but we could have been a lot of other places because um, I, we got married. I was going back to school. I had my choice of a number of cities, and we just kind of ended up in Nashville. And the reason I say that there's no coincidence here is when, I mean, you know, what better place to come to recovery in this program, particularly five years ago, than Nashville? If I would have come to recovery in Chicago five years ago, there's I probably wouldn't have come to recovery. There was just about nothing there. But yet I was in Nashville of all places. That I was, uh, another little God incidence here, I was um, at university there, and uh, I went to the counseling center when this all came down, and, and I said, I need help. My husband needs help. <laughs> How do I get it for him? Um, and they referred me to a therapist in town, who I now know to be really one of the, in a practical sense, one of the top experts in the country on this. Um, and I dogged her for a week and got a hold of her, and, and she said, well, I'd like to see him, but I can't. I have a four-month waiting list. And that was my first clue that this was maybe something real and something bigger than what in my mind I thought it was. But it's no coincidence, and it's no coincidence that she said, um, I'd like you to come to my office, pick up this packet of information, and I'd like you to both go to these meetings on Thursday night. Um, so we went. And uh, it's kind of funny in retrospect. She she said he'll know whether or not this is a, a problem for him. I find it hilarious that now that she didn't take, tell me, you'll know whether this is a problem for you. Because um, I, I was clueless. I, I find it no coincidence, it's a God incidence, that uh, I have the sponsor I have. She is the perfect person for me. And I would have never known that. She she looks nothing like me. Her experience is totally different. Um, you know, she's, I don't know, 48, something like that. Um, I'm 32. I'm from the north. She's from the south. She's married. You know, we, we, there's nothing in common with us. And she came up to me one day at a meeting and she said, I don't know what your situation is, but I... I relate a lot to you. I know we're different, but I'm wondering if you'd willing to be willing to sponsor me. <laughs> I was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> who are you? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Not me." Um, so we've actually co-sponsored each other, and um, she's been the perfect person for me—the gentle, nurturing soul, female soul that I did not have growing up. Thank <sighs> you. 
just something about these microphones, you know, it's like... <laughs> um, likewise, um, it's no coincidence, it's a God incidence um, therapist that I've had. They have been the perfect people for me. I firmly believe that my higher power has steered me toward them. And it's just little coincidences that come up. Um, my current therapist, I, I was asking actually my pastor for a referral. And he says, well, you know, I, I'm not sure because I was actually asking for a career counselor. And he says, why don't you call over here? And I called over there, and the center said, well, we don't do that on an individual basis. And just this this thing welled up from within me, this honesty. And I said, well, I'm actually looking for a regular therapist, too. <laughs> and this is what I need. Chunk, 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 chunk. You know, my little analytical self came out, and I was directed to her, and she's been just a gift, a gift from God. This disease is no coincidence. Um this may be just my personal bias, but um, I'm really grateful that it's this disease in our lives because I believe that the recovery from this disease is so true and it's so bottom line. I, I, I have seen a lot of people in recovery, and in fact, I've got a sponsee right now who came from Al-Anon. She'd been in Al-Anon for five years, and she said, you know, I finally get it now. Because this is just so deep, and it's so it gets to the core of it, and so this disease is no no coincidence. Because I truly believe that my God wanted me, and I just wasn't listening before, and He had to use a big enough hammer to get my attention. Um, t- um for the last five years, um, the time in recovery. Those of you that know me and uh, know my story know that I've um, had per- just incredible angst over the fact that I don't know or didn't know what direction my career should take. Um, in my family of origin, you are what you do. My father is the uh, president of a trade association. Uh, my oldest brother was an attorney. Uh, the next one's a commodities broker. The next one's an accountant. There's me with a graduate degree. My sister's an insurance underwriter. We, we just look good. And, um, and so I came out of that, you are what you do. And for the, so for the last five years, I've had zero, zero clue about what to do next. It's like there's been this fog and the doors are closed. I just don't know. And um, that's been hard. Because it's like um, bucking the family tradition. But I'm here today to say that my my higher power, my God, has an impeccable sense of timing. Because while, while the last five years have passed by and I've struggled with other things, I've been struggling with this issue too. And I think that my higher power was wanting to drain me of the whole idea that I am what I do. And it took a while. And I'm really grateful that today I have some direction finally within the last six months. And it's real clear. The fog has lifted. There's been insight and I see the open doors. And I'm grateful.
Um, and like I said, there's, there are no coincidences in the last five years I've been doing things that um, will r- directly relate to what I'm going to be doing. They, they have laid the foundation for what I'm going to be doing, both on a kind of an interim basis and long term. There are no coincidences. Finally, um, in terms of coincidences, um, I truly believe that I'm married to the person I'm supposed to be married to. Um, We're learning to fight and to argue, to have struggles, to have conflict, and to hang in there with each other. And um, for two people that would prefer to withdraw and escape, (laughs) um, it's a struggle. But um, I truly believe that that God has given me in the package of my spouse the things that I need for my spiritual growth. And so I'm willing to hang in there with it. So I'm I'm yeah I've got the um the tapes of Chuck C, new pair of glasses. And I'm learning to look at life with a new pair of glasses and the line from that tape about um heaven um is just wearing a new pair of glasses. It's all about perspective. It's all about attitude. And I'm learning to look at life with a different perspective and attitude. I'm learning to see God there, see where he is, hear where he is through you people. Um, I'm learning to be open to God's presence and help along the journey, to just be content on the journey rather than quit looking for the end point. I'm I'm trying to develop the habit of discipline. To, to continue to be open and to remain open. I am doing things as, uh, like I'm not uh, playing the radio on my way to work, on my commute. I am uh, getting quiet. I'm checking in with God. At stoplights, I whip out my uh, Al-Anon courage to change. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's not the most focused, disciplined way to do it, but it's, it's what I can manage right now. And what's kind of interesting about that is um, I'm going to dare to share this um when i get real quiet in the car there and i get real honest and i tell god what i'm feeling today what's going on with me um i get goosebumps when um when god he he doesn't necessarily talk to me but i know i'm connected when i'm getting goosebumps and it has nothing to do with the temperature of the air in the car um or what's going on i just know i'm connected then um, and that's kind of cool for me. I'm really grateful for that, um, that God has given me that little physical sensation to know when I'm connected. So it's about willingness. It's about uh, getting quiet for me. It's about um, noticing things in nature, in other people. Um, it's about change in attitude. It's about working the steps for me. Um, God speaks to me through those steps and through... Um, through the open door. I'm trying to actively practice the presence of God in my life. I, I really appreciate what Nancy A. says about uh, when she hears the sirens, you know, the fire truck or ambulance going by and says prayer for the people. And they're, they're, but Therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Help those people in need. But mostly, I guess I'm trying to remember that it's progress, not perfection. Because that's my deal. I just want to do it perfectly, and God's not speaking to me, and on and on and on and all this in my head. I'm trying to let go of that and to just be in the present and be in the moment. And I'm. I have to. I will finish this with this. I'm so grateful 
for these conferences because every six months I get to come and uh, get a little reality check and I see the growth in other people. I see Debbie and I remember where she was six months ago and I see where she is today and yeah, I see the pain and I see the sorrow, the grief and the sadness, but I also see that serenity and strength to know what she's gone through in the last six months and go, wow, but she's still here. And she is still strong and serene. I get reality checks that way. I remember, you know, Lee, uh, wherever Lee G is, (laughs) because she came about the same time I did and how much pain she was in and to see her today. So I'm real grateful for all of that and for you. I'm so grateful that um, Harvey was sick enough (laughs) to, um, to help start SA in Nashville because without that, Nancy wouldn't have been there, and my life wouldn't have been impacted like it has been, and that I couldn't have gone to Chicago then and uh, been impacted by the people that are there, by the Pams and the Frans and all the people that are there and that have touched my life, because that is God's action through those people. Um, Thank you so much for letting me share with you and for being here. Thanks. Thank you, Rhonda. I'd like to just keep going on forever and ever in this. It's great. Um, could we close with the Our Father with a big circle? I have some announcements to make while you're making the circle. I'm sure you can walk and listen at the same time as long as you don't talk. Uh, checkout time is 12 o'clock. For those leaving today, be sure you take care of that. We're going to ask for a seventh tradition before we leave the room today to help seed money for the uh, conference in uh, Orange, California. And uh, somebody lost an eight-year sobriety chip. So uh, one of the four eight-year sobrieties. Uh, it's yours? What did it look like? Come oh. get it. <laughs> it's right here at Roy's place. It'll be safe. Say, uh, right after this meeting, we'll take about a 10-minute break. Essanon has a meeting upstairs, uh, what, remembering what to take with Maria and uh, discovering what to take. And we have an open mic in this room. After the open mic in this room, there'll be a conference committee for the conference, conference committee people of both uh, the next conference and this one. And... Uh, Yeah, we'll just take a quick break between this meeting and the open mic. Thanks. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. And we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Keep me on my back, and the Lord is the Lord. 
I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.